when we decide we want to make some sort of effort to be healthier, it's not uncommon. We just take a look and look at people who look healthy and we go, well, I just want to look like that. What if that's the dumbest thing you could possibly be doing when it comes to health? Well, we're going to find out more about that on today's episode of the Movement Movement, the podcast for people who want to know the truth about what it takes to have a happy, healthy, strong body, starting feet first, because those things are your foundation. But there are other things that come into play as well. We'll be dealing with those today. Um, on this podcast, we break down the propaganda, the mythology, sometimes the outright lies you've been told about what it takes to run or walk or play or do yoga or cross bridge, live your life enjoyably, efficiently, effectively. Can I mention enjoyably? Trick question. I know I did because look, if you're not having fun, do something different than you are because you're not going to keep it up anyway if you're not having a good time. I am Stephen Sashin, your host of the podcast and the CEO and co-founder at ZeroShoes.com. If you want amazing, lightweight, super comfy shoes for anything you do, that's where you go for that. And we call this podcast the Movement Movement because we are creating a movement. And I say we because that includes you. It's free. doesn't take any effort. More about that in a second. About natural movement, letting your body do what it's made to do, helping people rediscover that natural movement is the obvious, better, healthy choice, the way we think about natural food. Now, the movement part that involves you, it's easy. Go to the website, www.jointhemovementmovement.com, because you'll find previous episodes, all the ways you're going to interact with us. I mean, you'll find us wherever podcasts are podcasted, but you'll also find our uh, links to our YouTube and our Instagram and Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. There's nothing you need to do to join. That's just the URL that I found. But what you need to do if you like what you're discovering is share it. Spread the word, give us a like, a thumbs up, a review, all the things you know how to do. In short, if you want to be part of the tribe, please subscribe. So let's get started. Kaisa, it is a pleasure to have you here. Um, why don't you tell people who the hell you are and what you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. I'm very excited to have this conversation with you. I am <laughs> I'm a lot of things. I like to sum it up. I like to say I am a movement coach. And I am the co-founder of Just Move, which is a movement platform geared to really speak to those that we tend to leave behind in the movement industry. So my goal is to get people to start moving and to give them an opportunity to really enjoy exploring their bodies and celebrating what their bodies can do. And when you say people who are usually sort of you know left on the sidelines, who are you referring to? Everybody, like everybody except for that, like 10% that the fitness industry likes to talk to. I think it was something I grew up as an athlete. And so when I came into the fitness industry, obviously my eyes were very open up to how we operated as an industry. And I, you know, from the very beginning, I didn't agree with a lot of things, but one of the things that really stuck out for me was we weren't speaking to the 85, 90% of the population that wasn't moving. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying, well, that was on, you know, that's on them. They don't enjoy movement. I guess they're just not a part of our industry. I really wanted to solve like, why are they not moving? Human bodies are meant to move. Movement is a celebration of, you know, what we can do with our bodies. Why are they not enjoying it yet? So that's really been my goal and my mission. And then, you know, what did you do to sort of explore that the answer or look into that question? And what did you find? I mean, I think one of the main overarching things is the fitness wellness industry, which I am a part of. So I am not like, I'm not talking negatively, but we tend to talk about movement as this thing that happens inside of a box when you do these handful of movements. And so for me, what I felt like it really wasn't meeting people where they were at. One, it wasn't really fun. Like I'm somebody who enjoys going to a gym and lifting weights and working out, but not really very many people actually do. And so I felt like we weren't really meeting people where they were at and we weren't making movement fun and accessible for everyone. So then once you sort of found that, tell me more about what you then did with that information. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I realized this pretty early on. I think, you know, the first thing you realize as a trainer, I came from an athletic background and I came from being really excited about seeing what my body could do and challenging my body and having it all be about like what I could do performance wise. So when I came into the industry, it was a very eye opening thing. And I know this sounds a bit naive as a trainer, but to realize that most people just wanted to change the way that their bodies looked. So first and foremost, I really tried to help people understand, um, you know, that we were not going to be concerned about changing the way that their body looked. We were going to be concerned about feeling better in our bodies, learning how to move, feeling more connected and empowered in our bodies. Um, So I started there. And then as I grew, social media came around and I realized I wanted to put my message on a bigger platform because for me growing up as an early trainer, the biggest loser was the only platform that fitness was on. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I immediately saw that platform and realized like I don't stand for anything that it's doing, but I do like that everybody can see what's happening there. And everybody could maybe be encouraged about moving because it was on a TV show and people had exposure to that. So as soon as social media happened, I was like, this is the thing. I'll be able to put movement out. I can have my own say in making it fun and creative, and then people can use it for free. So um, I often do this at the top of a show, but not always, but especially given what you just said, can you think of any movementy thing that you could share with humans who might be watching or listening or driving and listening, hopefully not driving and watching, just anything that could give them just the tiniest little flavor of what you like to do with other humans? Oh, like right now. Like if you are sitting right now, take your hands, place them at your shoulder, reach them up and over as far as you can one way, bend, keep getting that stretch, huge stretch in the side of your back, bringing it back to center. And then you're going to go up and over the other way. So we're just stretching out here. Exactly. And we move side to side. So the thing for me is actually my start moving program starts seated in a chair. Our entire first workout is in a chair because I feel like most people who look at movement and look at working out think, you know, if they're not doing that, that it's not for them. And I want people, I want everybody to understand that you have a body, your body is meant to move. And it's just about finding the right starting place for you. I love that because the starting place for most people is they're sitting in a chair and they think, you know, I'm in a chair all day, I'm working all day. I can't do fill in the blank. And so give them a simple one. And by the way, for people who aren't watching that, so I'm going to describe what we did. So it's like head, shoulders, knees, and toes. So we just did the shoulders <laughs> part, which I want to do. A, I want to make a um, dandruff shampoo for kids that's head and shoulders, knees, and toes. <laughs> so, um, so anyway. Wow. Um, so you're putting your, your hands on your shoulder. So right hand on your right shoulder, left hand on your left shoulder. Then literally take one arm, reach it straight up. And then reach high and then over to it. I'm doing it with my right arm. So reaching high and over to the left. And I'm getting the stretch. It's fun because not only am I getting that in my lap, but also like in my, ento- my entire lap, including the back where it's connected to my spine, but also in my neck, which I didn't know needed that right now. And, um, and uh, I like that you're mirroring me without intending to. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, same thing, hands back on your shoulders and then do the other side. And you can literally, I mean, I'm imagining, depending on how you're driving, you could do some of that in your car too. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily recommend it, but I'm just saying, so starting from in a chair, what's the progression then from there? What do you do beyond that? I mean, so the starting in the chair is the, for me, what feels like the starting point for our start moving program, because it takes a lot of barriers out of the way. um, And they're also pretty short movement programs. So 
no more excuses. We're meeting you in a chair and then we progress from there. So we really learn the foundations of movement. I think when the fitness industry tends to say this is a beginner workout, we assume that somebody has an understanding of movement, movement terms, names, and also an understanding of their body and how to move their body around. And so I realized right away, the beginner workouts are truly not beginner. They're not meeting people where they're at. If you have never moved before, if you have really no understanding and connection with your body, and maybe you're dealing with some injuries, I wanted you to feel like you had a starting spot that actually met you where you were at. So we start in a chair, we progress from there. We learn how to squat, lunge, balance, all the foundational movements. Um, because once you understand those movements, you know, like the fitness industry workouts, they're all just more creative ways to do a handful of movements. It's so funny you say that. I was, um, I was on a panel discussion years ago. Uh, it was about ancestral movement things. And there was people talking about, you know, hey, we're just trying to move the way we did as our ancestors did. And I, I finally, I said, yeah, um, that's just nonsense. I said, what? I said, you know, when we were having to walk down to the river to grab rocks and bring them home and stack them up and turn them into a house or chasing down prey or being chased by something that thought we were lunch, you can't fake those. Yeah. There is no, there is no analog to that. And the example I gave, and, and you as a former track athlete will appreciate this. I said, you know, when I'm training for the hundred meters, I can do the hardest workout that I can possibly think of. And maybe I'll be sore the next day. I do one track meet where I run for 12 and a half seconds and I'm shot for four days. It's a whole different biological, neurochemical, physiological thing when there's that feeling because a race is, is kind of like chasing or being chased by prey and completely different thing going on biochemically and the way your body responds is different. And so, you know, the whole, some of the natural movement or functional movement things the way it's been taught, like let's just climb trees, let's do whatever. It's fun. I'm all for the fun part, but the idea that that's going to get us fit the way we see indigenous tribes and Aboriginal tribes fit. It's like, yeah, yeah it's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, we could spend the whole hour talking about that, but I think one of the things I do appreciate about primal movement is just bringing it back to a little bit more like innately, what is human nature and how yes. to move in your body. And I think that we've made movement overly complicated. And so I think simplifying it, I totally agree with. Agreed. I, the distinction that I want to make for is that what you're talking about is getting an understanding and a familiarity with these fundamental movements versus we're just taking you out of the weight room into something else that's, you know, faking the weight room. Mm -hmm. And that's the distinction. Um, or at least let's say, I think that's the distinction. I don't know where you're nodding your head. So I'm going for the fact that yeah. you agree with that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so squatting, lunging, balance. Talk to me what you do. I mean, anything else you want to add to that list? And also, I'm curious what you do for balance. Balance is one of my faves. Yeah. So squat, lunge, balance. I think balance, technically speaking, we walk, which is like a single leg. So you've got to be able to balance. And I think as that's like a very underrated trained um, movement pattern. And then core is really important. We work on breath work so that we can engage with our core. Obviously, it's the center of your body. Um, and really what I'm trying to do is get people to make the connection between everyday movements that they do and then putting them in a workout class but that they understand what's happening in their body. So when you sit down to your chair, you know, 20 times a day, you actually start to hinge correctly, get into your hips and protect your knees and your back. So I think for me, it's really making it accessible, fun, and simple. And so how much are you doing online versus in person? Everything I'm doing now is actually online. Um, I miss in person a lot, but I realized I wanted to be able to speak to the masses and there's only so many hours within a day. Um, and so for now, I think at some point in time, I'll go back to in person, but 
for now, online programming and workouts is what I'm doing. What was the most surprising thing or the biggest uh, challenge you ran into moving from in-person to online? Oh, wow. Where do I even begin? I mean, my it's been a slow progression. Yeah. So I went from, you know, running my full on uh, training business in person to slowly going on to social media to slowly ma- making that a company and then selling programs. And now we have Just Move, which is our platform. Um, so it's been a very slow transition for me. I think I miss human connection. You know, there's so much that happens when you're in person with somebody and you're feeding yeah. off of their energy. I'm not just teaching people how to move in their body. I'm also like their therapist in that hour or their cheerleader cheerleader or their support system. And so there's so much of that that I miss when it's behind a screen. Um, but I also, the trade-off for me is that I get to move with so many more people than I would if I was training in person. And I would never change that. Yeah, questions just from that. Oh, I know what else. I want to go back to the very beginning of how I teased this thing. We, we touched on it briefly, but I want to go back to this whole thing about how bodies look versus health. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, there's a bit of a intro for that. It's or funny you say it. There's a fitness guy who's a big, good friend of mine, very successful author. Um, he, he refers to himself as an amateur, well, no, recreational bodybuilder, which is just that he likes to lift is the way of putting it. Um, but he did a whole thing about how this whole idea that you can lift weights to shape your muscles in a particular way. He goes, FYI, complete bullshit. Uh, your muscles are shaped the way they're shaped because of genetics. You can make things bigger. You can make things smaller. They'll get bigger. How they get bigger, they get smaller. How they get smaller. End of story. You know, you can work on certain things a little bit. Basically, you know, he was just trying to debunk this idea that you could look at a picture of somebody and go, I want to look like that and think that that's actually doable for you, especially mm-hmm. when, when who you're looking at in magazines or et cetera, are genetic freaks who've been airbrushed. Amen. Yeah. My saying is health is a feeling, not a look. And so for me, I am genetically muscular. So I grew up, I'm 35 right now, but I grew up in a time where there were definitely female athletes, but there weren't magazines. There was definitely not social media. So I wasn't seeing anybody that looked like me. I was basically a, I was a freak of nature back then and totally, you know, with, uh, CrossFit and everything now, you know, strong is beautiful. That's a whole thing. And, and, you know, young girls coming up can see themselves in many women that are, you know, more genetically muscular now, but I had to have an understanding of being grateful for what my body was doing physically rather than what my body looked like. And so for me, my saying I am more than my body really helped me to understand that I'm not defined by what my body looks like, but I'm also grateful for everything that she can do. But when she is her healthiest, when I'm taking care of her, I'm moving, I'm sleeping, I'm eating, she's going to look however the hell she wants to look like, and I'm not going to be able to change that. And so when it comes to training and helping encourage people to live a healthier lifestyle, it's also helping them to understand that having like looking a certain way, isn't the same thing as being your healthiest self. What happens in your mind when you refer to yourself in the third person? <laughs> oh, I started doing that. Um, no, so, and, and, and I, and I, and I mean, I asked because I did a whole thing where I spent a bunch of time referring to it as it mm. and, you know, and, and even sort of depersonalizing it even more. And I so rarely hear people do that. And you did that very fluidly of yeah. talking about your body as she versus I as what you were doing. And yeah. so that was very interesting. I want you to say more about that. Yeah. So again, it goes back to growing up. It goes back to, I am more than my body because there, for me, I've had a very um, interesting and often dark relationship with my body. Mm-hmm. She didn't look the way I wanted it to look. Sometimes she didn't perform the way I wanted it to perform. And so I had this very negative relationship with my body. And it wasn't until my mid twenties that I started 
I had a lot of things leading up to it, but I started to have a realization that if this is the only body I get. So if I could look at her as my best friend, I think I would take care of her a lot differently. I would appreciate her more. I, you know, would value her in the things that she that she did for me and I wouldn't break her down based on what she looked like or what she didn't look like. So that happened in my early 20s. It was always something that was in me. Like I didn't quite say I am more than my body in middle school, but that kind of started happening in my early 20s. And it's been the best thing that ever happened. It's actually how I try to help, you know, mainly other women understand that they don't need to be, even though culturally and media and everything tries to define you by what you look like, you don't actually have to define yourself that way. But it's still a positive relationship because she's your best friend. Can I dive into that a little more? Absolutely. So I can imagine, and I, I could be wrong, let me know, if when you came to this realization or this idea that she didn't necessarily feel like your best friend right away. And so I'd love for you to talk about, if you're willing to, that both those early stages of what that, what it was like uh, developing that relationship. And even now what you do when she's not, you know, when you and she are having a disagreement. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. So and I appreciate that you're going down on this tangent with me because I think sometimes people are like, what is she talking about? This is a really big deal for a, a lot of reasons. And I'll give you partly why it's interesting to me. People ask me questions all the time because you know we're running this rapidly growing company. Things go wrong every day. And they say, you know, what do you do to manage stress? And I go, what do you mean? I mean, it seems kind of obvious. Well, it's like, well, if I'm having a bad day, if I'm upset, if I'm tired, if I'm whatever... I'm just upset or tired or whatever. I don't make myself wrong for having that experience, or I don't think I don't add another layer on top of that. And there's things that I do every day just because I enjoy them. So they're not they're not designed to change my state. They're just part of my life. I wake up in the morning, I jump in a hot tub, um, I do the crossroom puzzle on there or Sudoku. In the evening, Lane and I sit on the couch, we watch some TV. Um, I go lift weights when she goes to sleep. So, but I don't think of it as trying to change what I'm feeling. If I'm stressed out, I'm stressed out until I'm not. And if I'm this, oh God, I'm here. I'm going to reveal a really crazy one. We were on vacation a couple months ago up in the mountains, and we were driving on these in these places and in these on these mesas where right on the other edge of where we could stand was an 800 to 1,000 foot drop. Mm-hmm. And I had something happen to me that had never happened before. I was getting this image in my mind of like jumping or driving off the edge, not falling, not landing, not dying, just that first second of jumping. So, and it was a little stressful that I was having this, what felt like a really crazy image. So the first thing was I wasn't thinking there was something wrong that I was having these thoughts. I didn't think I was going to jump. I did back up. (laughs) I will admit Um, I was driving a little slower than I normally do, but Mostly I was curious, like, wow, this is so out of character for me. And I had an idea about what it was. And I mentioned that I had this urge to my wife, to Lena. And she said, oh, is it just about that freedom, that first moment of freedom? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. That was my realization was that if there's been so much going on that just the idea of jumping and feeling that there's no control, it's out of your hands, was really enjoyable. But the fact that that thought was coming up was just a little freaking me out. But again, I didn't make more of it. And then once I realized that that's what it was about, and then my next realization was, well, I'm free at any moment to just walk away from this. I can yeah. do whatever I want. There's no obligation. And yeah. then it stopped coming up. I didn't go to the edge of the cliff. But anyway, so having this shifting relationship with oneself 
by either not making making a derivative of bad, like if it's bad, it's worse because it shouldn't be bad, or you know, is sort of where my brain went. And hearing you do the third person thing as as fluidly as you do is why I found that just so compelling. So yeah. I'm a giant tangent, but I just wanted to- No, I love that. I've actually have, I have a lot of the same feelings as you when I see something hot. I mean, I'm afraid of heights, but I'm also like, do I not trust myself? Like, I'm, what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought, actually, I, wait, the epilogue for it is the other day. I was thinking, maybe I should take up base jumping. Uh, and see, the weird thing for me is I am deathly afraid of heights. Like I will start shaking, but there's this freedom. I think it is, I totally understand what your wife is saying. I think there's this freedom with all of a sudden, you know, letting yeah. go and having no control. Oh. Not Sorry, that it would happen. I wouldn't do that. No, no. But. <laughs> well, you know, I got to tell you, I just realized this. So years ago, I did go skydiving. I did a tandem jump, which means I got a guy strapped on my back, and uh, which I do all the time anyway. But this time we jumped out of a plane. But anyway, so, and w- there's two ways of getting out of the plane. One is you stand out on the strut and you just let go. And the other is you just roll out of the plane. And we are going to do the roll out of the plane version. And the guy says, you know, what you have to do as soon as we roll out, just spread eagle. Because if people freak out, we start rolling and then we're out of control and we can just hit the ground. So we start to roll out of the plane and I have no experience of having left the plane. It didn't feel like anything. And so we start to roll a little bit. And as a former all-American gymnast, I'm going, oh, this is awesome, man. We're going to flip. <laughs> and I'm like enjoying the whole thing. Meanwhile, this guy is slamming my helmet as hard as he can to because he thinks I'm panicking. I'm just loving it. <laughs> and then I go, oh, yeah, yeah, right. And then I do the, the spread eagle thing. Well, we land like five minutes later and there's a picture I had on my refrigerator where I'm ecstatic and you could tell he is still furious. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I couldn't even imagine. I, you know, awesome. more kudos to you. I don't think that that's never, that's never going to happen for me. I will never have that experience. One day, one day I'll do another tandem jump. I'll give you a call. I, I think I'm going to have to pass. Um, but bringing it back to, uh, I think the original question was how did I start having a conversation? Like, what separating? was it like? What was it like early on when she clearly was not your best friend? And what's it yeah. like now when every now and then best friends have, you know, conflicts, disagreements? Yeah. So I, again, I grew up as an athlete. I grew up feeling very different than uh, my peers, but I also grew up feeling very empowered in what my body could do. So there was always a very interesting relationship with what was happening with myself and my body. Um, And when I went into high school, I started to go through some really deep, dark times and we don't have to get into that, but I did not want to live. And so for me, my freshman year in high school, one of the things that I had to do was turn towards what I felt like brought me the most joy at that time. And the only thing for me was movement. And so at that time, I kind of went full force into soccer and track and field. And so this is when my love and appreciation for movement happened because it it actually saved my life. And so at that point in time, I started to have a deeper connection with my body and, and became grateful for her, but at the same point in time was often very disappointed in her based on, you know, either what she was looking like or the fact that she wasn't as good of an athlete as I wanted her to be. I had expectations that she wasn't matching or meeting. And then I went to the University of Washington. I did track and field. And again, she just completely disappointed me with injuries. And so in my early mid twenties, I had a a freak soccer accident and I broke my leg. And at that point in time, I'd already been training, but I had, that was my like most pinnacle moment of realizing that I was separate from her because it was the first moment that I realized how much I depended on her Mm -hmm. and how grateful I was for everything that she did for me, no matter how many years I spent 
you know, talking trash about her and beating her up and always saying she wasn't good enough and literally looking in the mirror and nitpicking everything about her. I had the moment of being like, I am nothing without you. Like I, all of my hopes and dreams disappear if I don't have you to go carry me through life. And so I literally remember it was my left leg. I literally remember talking to her in that moment and saying, if you heal faster than the doctor said that you would, I promise I will take care of you for the rest of my life. I will do anything and everything that you ask me to do. I will always listen to you. And I think that was that pinnacle moment for me. And that was that, that game-changing moment. So she's, she's always been my best friend, but she's been my best friend ever since. Is, I mean, that realization that despite all of your, uh, and we're, I mean, this is going to sound, it's metaphorical somewhat. Despite all of your horrible treatment, she never mm-hmm. left. Mm-hmm. She never, I mean, kept showing up over and over and over, despite mm-hmm. all the things that you were doing to deny, distance, change, not accept, et cetera, which is, I mean, I'm only crying a little bit, but because we can all do this. I mean, it's an amazing thing. This is, I didn't have that version. I had one where I realized that all the complaining that I had ever made about how I thought my parents, particularly my father, should have been. That had he been the way I had been internally demanding, I would have been unfit for human consumption. Had he not been the sort of, you know, create the walls that he did, I would have not had anything to bounce off of or contain. And I literally, the thought was, I literally wouldn't know how to deal with humans. I mean, I have a hard enough time dealing with them as it is, because I say things like, you know, I've had people say to me, uh, I say, how are you doing? They go, well, I just got cancer. And I go, oh my God, that must be so exciting. And they're like, and they say, and here's the thing, people usually look like you do and their eyes pop out like, what are you, crazy? What they usually say is they look around to make sure no one else can hear and go, it totally is. Because they're having something like that is one of those moments where you suddenly realize, I'm only going to deal with people that I like. I'm not going to deal with situations that are not helpful for me. I mean, it really just puts your life in focus. It's, it's a variation of, I would like, I had, a, had an ex-girlfriend who was dying of cancer and I called her. I said, I'm very upset because you're, um, you're living my fantasy. She goes, what's that? I said, think about it. She goes, oh, I know I'm going to die. I said, yeah, what a gift. She goes, it's incredible. And she just, wow. you know, what? so, but the back to the thing with my father, like the moment I realized that had he been different, in your case, had your body been different, you wouldn't have the life you had. And I could think of the infinite ways that mine would have been worse. My next thought was, hey, I don't need therapy. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. no. that was, you know, it's over. I'm not arguing with that kind of reality any longer. And yeah. So um, I love hearing your story about that. Yeah. Yeah. I still go to a lot of therapy. <laughs> I need a lot of therapy, yeah. but. So now when you find yourself having one of those thoughts, yeah. how do you experience the thought differently than you did early on? And what do you do when, after that thought arises? Absolutely. Yeah. So for me, it's not, it's human nature to have negative thoughts about yourself or life or anything. Yeah. So I don't try to control them. I actually try to like welcome them and have them. The difference is I don't sit in them. I don't dwell on them. So for me, especially as you know, a teenager and early on in, in my 20s, I just lived in those dark moments. They just consumed me. I was those dark moments. I was every negative thought 
that came into my mind. I was that. And so it's not for me that I'm trying to get rid of that. I'm just trying not to dwell in that. So I, every single day I have a negative thought about my body every single day. I mean, she is, you know, 35 now and she looks completely different. And the first thing I want to say about her is something negative. And I just allow it to go in and out. And then I replace them. I, it's like, it's how people talk about practicing at the gym and doing reps. Mm -hmm. I replace them with something positive. I say this all the time. I have big ass arms and I can talk negatively about that. Or I can also say, and you know, she can do 20 pushups and 10 pull-ups. Like, so who cares? You know what I mean? So I think it's not trying to act like as human natures, we're never going to have negative thoughts, but we're, we don't have to be those thoughts. One of my favorite hobbies is as I roll out of bed, I pinch to see if I somehow lost a bunch of body fat while I was sound asleep. Oh my gosh. I swear to God, every morning. Wow. And it's like, it's an ongoing joke. I mean, I find it very entertaining that I do this. And since it's just a habit, um, I don't really care. It's like literally, oh, there, I just did it again. And it cracks me up. I mean, I know that if there was going to be any change in the way this thing looked, it would take a not unreasonable amount of time and the change would be slow enough that I wouldn't notice them between last night or yesterday morning and this morning. And yet I literally can't stop myself from doing it. And I find that hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. I don't pinch my stomach, but I hear you. <laughs> well, you know, I don't, do whatever about, she wants. I, don't, I don't complain about my arms. Actually, you know, it's been fun. <laughs> I've been, I've been working out more lately than I have before. Cause I got into, I started another habit, which is once my wife goes to bed, she goes to bed around nine 30 or so. That's when I get in a workout. And so and I've been able to do that more lately than I have before. And it's been very entertaining because since I've been doing this now for like nine months, my body has changed a bit. It's kind of getting not back to gymnast shape, but it's certainly getting some of that back. And my favorite part is the other day, Lena just came up to me and she just put her hand on my, my delts and just went, mm. Wow. <laughs> and so, you know, so part of it is neurotically funny and the other part is fun. And it's people ask me, like, they say, what do you do for a workout? I go, as a sprinter, I mostly just work on my posterior chain. And as someone who's vain, I do some bench pressing and pull-ups. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> But you have an you have an appreciation, and it sounds like you have your entire life for what your body can physically do. And so I think there's a, just a completely you might jokingly also you know kind of break it down or pinch your stomach or whatever. But you also very deeply have an appreciation for what your body does for you. And I, I think most people I, don't. I, I'm going to be 60 in a couple of months, and what that means is when I'm on the track with a bunch of younger guys, including the masters guys, like the guys in their 30s, I've now gotten to the age where I'm an inspiration. And every time they tell me that, I want to punch them. Um, I go, no, not yet. Give me another 10 years. But I do love that for whatever crazy reason, 99% genetics, I'm still able to do the things that I can do. And I have to remind myself that I can't do the things that I was doing when I was 20, 25. But the fact that, I'm, that, that I can do them is something that I, am, uh, I don't take lightly. And it's, it's really delightful. And I'm, I'm, if I didn't have this body doing that thing, I'm sure I'd be grateful for you know, what it's doing then. But um, I enjoy that one because it gives me something to do that I like, that I actually enjoy. And there's not a lot of other things like that for me. Yeah. And I think going, bringing back to joy, I think that most human beings would enjoy moving their body around if only they were given an opportunity to explore what their body could do. And I think that's why I come so passionately in an industry where we say movement only looks like this, or it's labeled this, this, and this, where it's not movement. I, I movement, I say all the time is a celebration of what your body can do. And there's a million different ways to move. It's just about finding, you know, the right one or ones for you. 
So uh, thank you for bringing it back to that. I mean, we took a fun psychological detour. I appreciate you being willing to do that. Um, it's That's also my favorite conversation. So backing up to getting people to really understand and appreciate and enjoy movement. One thing that occurred to me is I also find it interesting. People like to have a script to follow, a plan, a thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, I do the following, I get the following result. That's just the way we're wired. I have a sneaking suspicion that that's not how you work, but you deal with people who have that idea. Am I incorrect? Oh, no, that's a, that's a 100% correct. <laughs> so, so can you talk to, talk to me about that? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny because it's like, for me, my simple thing became just move, like just move, just do whatever you want to do. Early on, it was with the assumption that people knew what to do, like that people had any idea what to do. And so I have totally understood and adopted meeting people where they're at means helping to coach them and to help understand, you know, help to get them to understand what movement feels like in their body. And then maybe once they start doing that and they're connected, then maybe they have an idea of what they want to do. But most human beings are looking for a professional to guide them through, you know, an experience that they feel inexperienced in. And I'm, I'm happy to do that for them. How do you deal with people who, you know, another thing about humans, um, they seem to not like to look like beginners or look like they don't know what they're doing, or and you're introducing them to things that they haven't done, haven't felt, haven't don't have experience with. How do you handle that part of the equation? Yeah, that's an awesome question. So I all of my programs are at home programs. So I take away the barrier of feeling like you don't know, you know, what to you're new at something and people are going to be judging you. So I think that gets taken away. I also have found that people really enjoy when somebody calls out where they're at. Like I think that people really enjoy that they are starting their movement journey, that they are completely inexperienced, they don't know what to do and that I recognize that. I think the issue is that most of the time in this industry, a beginner talk, gets talked down to or gets like dumbified in some way. And I think that for me was really important that as I coach, like you are just on a, you're on your own spot in the movement journey. And just because I'm over here or you're over here doesn't mean anything different about you. You're not any less. And so I think I have not experienced anything negative about people feeling like they're starting their journey. I think they actually a- really enjoy it. That's a wonderful position to take. And it's similar vein. I mean, there's another thing with uh, coaches in particular, where people come to them to a certain extent. Well, the problem that I see with people who are fitness coaches is there's a certain kind of pressure where they think they need to look a certain way in order to get clients because they will think the clients are going to use them as the thing to emulate. And I've seen more than my share of people who are in that biz don't look the way that they, they don't look like their picture that they're putting online. They look like that for, you know, a couple of days, 10 years ago. And there are very few people who are not caught in that trap. And I've seen it cause a tremendous amount of stress for people. Yeah. I mean, I don't sell anything about the way that I look or the way that you are going to look. I sell all about how you're going to feel and learning about your body and learning how to move and get connected with your body. So I'm not worried about that. Um, I also think some of the most intelligent coaches don't look a certain way. <laughs> so I, I've been, you know, my mentors, I've been around, I've been in the industry for 12 plus years. Like they're, some of the most incredible coaches are are actually very knowledgeable and educated in what they do. And they're not selling a look. They're selling how right. they can help, you know, you feel better and perform better in your body. Yeah, it's again, we could go into this almost forever. It it is so interesting how people, how the fitness industry has grown, how people approach it, but from both sides the people who are teaching, the people who are participating, the people who aren't participating. And uh, I I love that you're kind of deconstructing this in a certain way. 
Um, I think that's super important because if we don't know the the pool that we're swimming in, you know, I don't know where the re- I, I can't figure out what the rest of that metaphor is going to be. But if you don't know, here's maybe it's this: if we don't know we're in a pool, it'll be hard to swim. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that's so easy is to be a trainer, be inside the industry, and you know, kind of talk negatively about the industry. And I think for me, what I realized was we actually we have so much power and control over how we change the conversation of health and wellness. And so for me, what I'm trying to do is get just a lot more people on the same page about as trainers, as people that are actually working one-on-one, we have far more control than media. Like sex sells in the media. That's never going anywhere. Like they're always going, like the the industry is always going to prey on, the big corporations are going to prey on your insecurities and, you know, how they can sell you something that, you know, to fix all of you. That's never going anywhere. But if more trainers, if more people in the fitness industry can own the power that we have and the influence that we have on the individuals that we train, I think that's where an actual difference and an actual, you know, like healthy journey starts. So that's really my goal. I like that. And I would hope that more people start to similarly kind of deconstruct the whole thing so that they're not just pitching a program that's here's the beginning, here's the end, here's, you know, promising that you're going to get results that you can't necessarily get probably can't get. Oh, you know what? I just remember there's there's another fitness person that I uh, adore who did a long rant about this. It was basically uh, saying, you know, take a look at the people you want to look like. Really look at them hard. Now, I want you to think about this over and over. You will never look like them. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you should be, you know, look, if you are somewhere between 15 and 20% body fat as a guy and you can do that and enjoy it, good. You're done. (laughs) I mean, the thing is, is like, that's never going to change though. That is the easiest thing to try and sell, but you like that will most likely never happen. And the one thing you have to remember is most of those people, even me, like I happen to be on a magazine cover, like that moment that the image is taken is just a moment. And when I look back at those magazine covers, those were not the most miserable times in my lives, but they certainly weren't the happiest times in my life. And we talk about this all the time. Like you can't do everything all the time. So you have to be like I say, you have to respect the season you're in. You have to be okay with that. So when I looked a certain way, that's because my business was super slow and I had the time to be in the gym for three hours a day. <laughs> like, So for me to be where I'm at now and be so happy in what I do business-wise and be so happy that almost my entire day is consumed with m- the things that I find so much joy in and that I'm yeah. so passionate about. So, which means also that I only have 30 minutes or an hour to move. Like, that's quite all right. <laughs> like, right. I am totally okay with that. I love it. I think as human beings, we are realistic. We don't have a realistic understanding of where we're at and what we can do in life. Yeah. Well, and you nailed it because this is not just about fitness. This is that we're often arguing with reality in many, many ways. And I, but I love that what you're doing is getting people to, you know, giving people a way in to not argue with reality, to discover something that they haven't found that is real for them um, and becomes theirs. It's not just, here's a program to follow. This is, you know, now you understand movement, enjoy which is totally, totally dreamy. So I I appreciate that. 
Yeah. And not only like that, you, now you found movement, enjoy it. But like, if you start moving, you can notice all the things that change, not only like in your body and feeling better, but you probably have better energy. You probably, your mood is probably different. You're probably sleeping better. And so for me, I think those are the things that we have to hold on to, because if you're somebody that happens to be a season in life where you're crazy busy, there's ways for you to move throughout your day that don't ever include going to the gym. You like literally simple things. I say, you can take the stairs, you can park further away at the grocery store. You can stand up and stretch during a meeting. Like there's so many ways to incorporate movement into your day. If that's something that you can understand and value. I I thought of one related to what you just said. I'm, I'm an efficiency geek in many, many ways. So like when I'm parking, I like to park as close to whatever it is as possible. I'll drive around until I find that. I also Mm -hmm. like to move more and, but I can't reconcile those two currently. So I, right now I park as close as I can park. My fantasy is that one day I'll have enough cash to buy a stupidly expensive car where I'm going to want to park it far away so that no one's going to bang into it. <laughs> and, and then it'll, it will inspire me to walk more because, which I enjoy doing, but I couldn't justify it currently. <laughs> so human of you to be like, when this happens, then yeah. all of this will happen. I know, How about I, you I just mean, do like, it I just now? Know, I know myself well enough that the only thing that will, you know, get me out of my efficiency thing is I don't want someone to bang into my car. And so, and the only way I'm going to have that thought is if I have a car where I really don't want someone to bang into it, where it would really be upsetting. So I understand that about me. <laughs> and, you know, and the power is, the power is that you understand that about yourself. So I actually yeah, appreciate exactly, that. Exactly. I know that I need to have chocolate in the house and it has to be really, really good because then I only eat a small amount. Because that's all you can tolerate when you have really good chocolate. So okay, but you're bringing up a great point of understanding yourself and knowing of knowing yourself. Like the point of knowing yourself is so powerful because I think we, if you don't know yourself, you can't set yourself up for success. So I think that's something for me that I I like. I really appreciate that you're bringing that up. But I think it's huge for people to understand and be very real with themselves. Know yourself. Understand yourself. What part of life are you in? What season are you in? And then do what you can within that season with the energy and time that you have. Yeah. Again, for me, I'm, I'm, I don't like using myself as an example this way, but here we are. Like I said, I do these workouts when Lena goes to bed. It's like a 20 minute you know, workout because that's when I have the time and it works for me. I enjoy it. I look forward to it instead of thinking of it as you know, something where I have to work out because or whatever. It's like, I'm, I know that when I do it, I'll feel better and, yeah. and I've only got a limited amount of time during that time. And on the weekends, you know, I get stuff done on the weekends too. Yeah. But, and you value um, your body. Your body's done a lot for you. Your body's trying to go, you know, you're going to the masters. Like you, you value your body. It's, um, it's an entertaining thing. You know, it's like when people say, sometimes people argue with me about the whole minimalist footwear thing. They say, well, you know, we didn't evolve to run on hard surfaces. Like, well, we didn't evolve to do double twisting, double backlifts, but I used to be able to do one. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's, and it's entertaining to push and see what you can do that you haven't done before. I was like, I mean, one one of the reasons that I wanted to chat with you is I like the idea of playing with movement so that you can find a broader repertoire of things that you can do. So, because that's what I enjoy doing. Like if I was ever in some sort of workshop where they wanted us to move in some way, like see how many ways you can do fill in the blank. You know, I'd be the first guy to climb like into the rafters or leave the room or, you know, be upside down or just like look and see what everyone else is doing and find a way to do the opposite of that. Because I just find that, Peculiar, like my, my latest one, I'm trying to see how long it's going to take me to train myself to put on my pants 
right leg first instead of left leg first until, mm. that, until I can't remember which way I actually do it. Yeah. We had to do that in training. We demonstrate always on one side. So then we had to yeah. start demonstrating on the other side, but yeah, I mean, breaking patterns and mixing things up is so important, but yeah, I just, yeah, I appreciate your understanding of your body. And I think that that's a gift that I am trying to bring to so many other people because we have experience as athletes of how incredible our bodies are. And I think if yeah. more people understood that the body you are in is the only body you get, and it is an absolute miracle that you are in it. And if we celebrated that and you know moved because that's a way to express how much we're grateful for what it can do, I think the world would be a very different place. I think, and I'm gonna I'm gonna start wrapping it up on this idea. I think at the very least, I want to hear from people, and I hope I, that we hear from people who just start talking about their body as a third person or as a second person. Just use the third person because I know how interesting that can get. And I imagine that if people start doing that and play with that, even for a few days, they will discover something surprising. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm hoping that we hear from comments somewhere that people decide to give that a whirl yeah. and see what they find and how that, I love that. moves. Yeah, that'd be a good one. I love that. Hey, so this has been such a, such a treat. Can you do me a favor? Tell people if they want to find out more about what you're up to so they can join you in what you're doing. Can you tell them how to do that? Yes. So you can find everything about me on justmove.com. That's the platform. That's where I coach and I encourage movement. And I also have my social media, which is Kaisa Fit. So I'm in my DMs. If you have any questions about anything, please feel free to reach out. Awesome. So Kaisa, again, thank you so, so much. Uh, For everyone else, thank you. And again, just a reminder, go check out www.jointhemovementmovement.com. If you have any questions, comments, recommendations for people who should be part of this conversation, drop me an email. I'm at move at jointhemovementmovement.com. And of course, again, if you want some awesome footwear to move in, you know, that's zeroshoes.com. But most importantly, go out, have fun, and live life feet first.